Coming to you from the ugliest building in the Gulch, it's the Nashville Scenecast. I'm scene editor D. Patrick Rogers. If you like us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rate us and leave comments. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks to Jeff the Brotherhood for providing our intro music, Diamond Way, from the album We Are the Champions. And thanks to Jason Saita, who cuts together all of our episodes. This week's issue of The Scene is our annual summer guide, in which we point to some of the most enticing events going on this summer and take a look at interesting folks from all over town, including artists, a drag queen, and a very charismatic chef. But on this week's scene cast, we talk about the 49th annual Nashville Film Festival, which takes place from May 10th to 19th at Regal Hollywood 27. In the May 3rd issue of The Scene, we picked out 25 interesting titles from this year's programming. We spoke with Nashville native Alex O. Eaton about the world premiere of her debut feature, Mountain Rest, and we had a look at some of the festival's short film programming. On this week's SceneCast, we speak to Jason Sean. If you know film in Nashville, you know Jason. He's a scene contributor, a Belcourt employee, a Nashville Film Festival programmer, and a self-described media prophet. He programs the festival's graveyard shift competition category, and on today's SceneCast, We'll talk to Jason about the Graveyard Shift films and a lot more. Okay, I am here with scene contributor Jason Sean, who is also a part of the Nashville Film Festival. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. Um, first off, why don't you just tell everybody what your role is with the Nashville Film Festival, how long you've been a part of that, so on. Um, well, I started out as press covering it for a website that I worked for before the first internet bust mm-hmm. um, and ended up uh, working... I, I don't even know how you would describe it. It was just sort of an organic process where I drifted into it. I was kissed on the cheek by Grace Zabriskie, uh-huh. and that sort of upended everything, and, and I um, ended up uh, programming the experimental film section for about five years, mm-hmm. um, and which was great, but was very easy to burn out on. So sure. I sort of... And my, my love has always been with horror and genre stuff. I mean, I, I love horror and musicals because you can do absolutely anything in those genres, mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was sort of a, a, a sensible shift because I was just burned out on like bad experimental film is like watching screensavers over <laughs> and over and it will hurt you and it will hurt your soul. Right. So I just shifted over into like, okay, well let's, let's do graveyard and grave, the graveyard shift, um, are later programs there at one point in time, they were midnight shows, but you know, like <laughs> Nashville doesn't stay out as late as it used to. Mm-hmm. So now they're like, you know, like between nine and 10 usually sometimes sure. a little earlier, sometimes a little later. Um, and it tends to be the more horror or genre focused thing, uh, mm-hmm. raucous comedies. Right. I mean, the, the 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 stuff that doesn't necessarily fit in the I, I don't want to say respectable categories, but like but <laughs> conventional that are not, anyway that are not traditional film festival sure. kinds of things. Sure. Um, so, and I have I have some shorts programs, and it's just basically uh, if it's got a monster or a murderer, and it's mm-hmm. not a documentary. Murderers of documentaries, that's respectable. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but monsters, murderers, uh, magicians, um, critters. Uh, or anything like that. That's sort of my domain. So I've I've tried to make the most artistically interesting mm-hmm. um, horror and genre section that I can. Yeah, and and when you say you know monsters and and critters, it's not always sometimes a little more metaphorical than others. Sometimes oh yeah, straight up. Oh yeah, I mean it's the the thing about horror now, especially it's in such an amazing space, is that mm-hmm. it can be something as traditional as like slasher kill teens, mm-hmm. or it can be something where um, that's uh, you know like. This 
this year we've got a film called Katrina's Dream. It's not a horror film per se, but it's basically the incredible two-headed transplant told like an Eric Romer film. Mm-hmm. So it's like this incredibly like grindhouse concept, but it's done in like a like an, a, a deeply feminist um, like calm like if you could you could make this movie with Juliette Binoche if you wanted to um it's not but it's the kind of thing that like you know you've got weird crossover with that and Mm -hmm. it's just that my my whole guiding principle behind graveyard is that anything can happen at any moment yeah that's 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 the best log line I can give for it is just like it's a it's a magical place where anything can happen and a lot of the time it's murder yeah (laughs) um so so what are a couple of the other titles that you're particularly fond of or interested in having people see and see their reactions to this year? Well, I've got a pair of 3D films which completely span the the, um, the artistic gamut. Prototype, which mm-hmm. is from the artist Blake Williams, is very... It's an experimental documentary, um, and it uses 3D in ways that audiences... Like, I don't care what all you've seen at the IMAX or whatever, you've never seen 3D used like this. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows that it's a vibrant and amazing format for doing things that you just don't normally see in movies. Sure. And at the other end of the spectrum from that is found footage 3D, which is one of the best horror films of the past five years. I've been trying to get that film for three years, but it's, um, you know, rights issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it ended up getting picked up by Shudder. But, I mean, Shudder is the best streaming service. I love them. They're, mm-hmm. they're not paying me for that. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I will evangelize for them on my own time. Sorry. But... Um, <laughs> But it's like they have 3D versions of it available, but it's like everyone I know who has a 3D TV, and Lord love y'all for keeping up the fight on that, because mm-hmm. um, they don't like horror films because they have it for their kids because sure. the kids love the Disney movies and 3D and stuff. And everybody I know that has Shutter doesn't have a 3D TV. So I was just like, all right, what am I going to have to do to get it where people can see this like in a theater? And mm-hmm. it was really easy. Shutter was great. The film's director was great. They're just like, we would love for you to do this. So, oh, that's great. So, the, and it's never been shown in 3D in the southeastern United States. Mm-hmm. It's had like a, like over its festival run, it had a few like pop ups here and there, but um, and the closest it came was Chattanooga, and that was a 2D screening a couple mm-hmm. years back. So I'm just like, you know what? I am happy to do this because it's an incredibly it's visceral and invigorating. It uses the 3D beautifully, and it's also really scary. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I, what, that was 2012. It was made um, some, thereabouts. I sometime in the. I don't know the specifics mm-hmm. of it. I know it took a while to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's an amazing story. And I, as I understand, the filmmaker is going to be there, and he's got that's great, great stories to tell about the experience behind that. That's wonderful. Yeah, and hearing something that's made sort of with. 3D not as an afterthought or a gimmick, but rather sort yeah. of a central point. Yeah, native is native is where the innovations are. There there are great conversions. Like mm-hmm. you, they're like I mean, and, and Disney's conversion game is so much better now than it used to be. Okay, but it's the native stuff where where you see the really interesting right. things. Right, and then you know, like completely removed from that, one of the films that I'm most proud of, and we're 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 one of the first places to show it in the country, is called Zerzura which is an acid western from uh, the, the folks at Sale Sounds in Portland who made the um, Patushik, uh, no, I'm sorry, not Patushik, Tamashek language remake of Purple Rain a few years uh, back. yes. And I, w- I had the, the Tennessee premiere for that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, next time you have a new film, I want to show it. And they're just like, we have a new film, and it's kind of a psychedelic western. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> Sold. Yeah. Say no more. And it's like, it's it's amazing, because it's shot in the Nigerian desert. Mm-hmm. Um, like, almost no money, but just like a really committed cast 
And the way that they like, you know, the way that they present the city of the gin is like, you're just like, this is the most imaginative thing I've seen in quite some time. That's and it's, wonderful. it's really creative and it's scary too. Uh-huh. Um, but it's you know suitable for the whole family. That's fantastic. Which so, is the only film of mine that you can say that about. Zerzura is the yeah. only suitable for the whole family. So maybe not so much on Prototype. Maybe not. Uh, well, Prototype. I mean, if you've got if you've got adventurous kids, sure. bring them to Prototype okay. because it's like it really is like it's life changing what it does with physical space. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, and you know you know me. I coming from the experimental background, I'm always happy to get weird with it. Yeah. Um, and and what's great is that I have built up built up an audience who will come and see everything in the graveyard section. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just, it, it doesn't matter what it is. And I'm just like, that kind of trust, like, I mean, it's just, that is what I want. I, I just want people to, to be willing to take the chance on anything. And I'm like, no, this is worth worth seeing. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like your branding has worked, Jason. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't, I, you say that, and I, and I appreciate the compliment. I do. But it's like, you know, I look at I look at my numbers in social media and I'm just like, no, no, can't even call it a cult following yet. But that's OK. That's all right. Um, you know, you got to do the groundwork. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, well, and, and speaking about the rest of the fest, of course, um, you know, we'll we'll link off to the site so everybody can see the proper schedule. It's May mm-hmm. 10 through 19 at mm-hmm. Regal 27, mm-hmm. uh, 10 different theaters. Um, but is there anything else going on uh, in the fest? Any other screenings that are part of that that you're excited about or excited for people to see? Oh yeah, um, Eighth Grade, yes. which is uh, the the debut film from Bo Burnham, who is a was previously known as a comedian, mm-hmm. and then uh, he directed Chris Rock's most recent comedy special for Netflix, and then he made this film that like even people friends of mine who like never cared for his stand up mm-hmm. are just like this is a really interesting directorial voice, and it's. Um, you know, very very sensitive to like what kids today are going through, like coming of age, mm-hmm. but, yeah, in in the in the shadow of the internet, but not in a oh the internet, but more like a the accepting the internet is just a fact of being, which it is. Sure, um, and it's I've heard nothing but amazing things about that. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet. Um, Nineteen eighty five, which is the new one from uh, Yen Tan, who did a uh, pit stop, mm-hmm. uh, like a haunting black and white uh, tale of the the AIDS epidemic, and just really beautifully acted and made. Um, uh, First Reformed, which is the new Paul Schrader with Ethan Hawke as a priest in an untenable position. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's just like, Schrader's back. And it's like, he never went away. But um, I, I'm psyched for it. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, oh, Lord. Uh, there's a, the from uh, HBO documentaries, there's a, the Say Your Name, the Sandra Bland Sandra Bland, yes. Which is just, I mean, I, I haven't gotten a chance to see that because I'm just like, I'm you don't want to put yourself through that kind of emotional experience on a screener link. You want to experience yeah. that in a theater where you can talk to people afterwards. That's right. Yeah. Um, that one looks incredible. There's some really, really good documentary programming this year. There mm-hmm. always tends to be there always know, a lot of social commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, leave no trace. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat excited yeah. about too. Deborah Granick. D- she's so directed good. Winter's bone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's got Ben Foster in it, who I think is, Pretty relatively underrated kind of character actor. Yeah, he's reliable too. Yeah, and it's, he's he's the lead in that, and I believe he's um, conceptually that's a he's a, a veteran and PTSD mm-hmm. and raising a, a young daughter. yeah off the grid, and they're sort of like hiding out from it. Right. yeah. There's you know it's a, that 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 is a that's a scenario that works. Yeah, I mean it's you know going back to like the ancient Greeks. I mean that scenario works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested in that. There's a, there's a great, uh, music documentary. I mean, there's always great music documentaries. That's what, yes. that's what Nashville is known for throughout the country is like, if you've got an interesting music doc, you go to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one called industrial accident, which is the history of wax tracks records. Yeah. And it's 
great. I mean, it's it's not just because like the soundtrack is amazing, sure. but like pretty much everyone who is alive who is part of that '80s industrial scene is mm-hmm. in this movie, even the ones who hate each other. <laughs> yeah, and everybody looks great except Al Jurgensen, who looks like Jabba the Hutt. But that's <laughs> that. You know, I'm not I'm not judging based on appearances, but it's like whatever was in the industrial custom, whatever drugs they were taking, whatever regimen for self care that they had. Judging by their appearances today, with the exception of Mr. Jurgensen, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> right. Reznor and he were not necessarily uh, imbibing the same things. I yeah, yeah. I think, I, which is which is fascinating. I mean, you could honestly do a commentary track on the film based on like, like and here's what everyone was taking at the time. <laughs> but it's great. Uh, the, the director, um, her father was one of the two founders of the label. Right. And it's... Um, it, um, it, it was going to be in the festival last year in mm-hmm. my section, and then they had to pull it because of music rights issues, which when uh. you see the film, you'll understand because it is wall to wall and it's got everything. Um, right. And, and, you know, and I'll point people in the direction of last week's cover story as well, in which we sort of, we had just sort of picked out 25 films from the fest that we just sort of had people look at the screeners of. And of course, Sean Maloney, longtime scene contributor, watched the mm-hmm. uh, Wax track stock, and he was very excited about that. Um, 1985, which you mentioned, Steve Harouche watched and said he had to pause it a few times to clear away the tears so he could. Oh, win. it's it's devastating. But I mean, Yen Tan is great. He's like he he works in a very uh, emotional space, but mm-hmm. it's never it never forces a reaction out of you. It's very I don't want to say delicate, but it's it's unmannered. It's unfussy, and it's 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 out there and. It just it's just a cumulative effect and it's just devastating in the best possible way. It's like getting punched in the solar plexus by hand wearing like six of the softest velvet gloves. Well, sold. I mean, <laughs> quit drilling, you hit oil, I'm, I'll be there. Um, well, that's really exciting. Again, Nashville Film Festival, May 10th through 19th at Regal 27. You can get tickets to individual mm-hmm. films or you can buy the There are badges passes, you can get badges, like full access. All kinds yeah. of tiers. And also, um, one thing I wanted to talk about is there's also the conference element of the film fest. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of of, you know, talk, you can attend talks about, you know, how to sell your screenplay or mm-hmm. all, all, all manner of things. But one thing that's particularly interesting to me, of course, is there's a panel on May 19th, Everybody is Not a Critic, Life and Work of Jim Ridley, um, which of course is about former scene editor and film critic extraordinaire, my mentor, boss, buddy, Jason, yours as well, uh, Jim Ridley. One of the greatest human beings who ever lived. And that is, we can both say that without, you know, that yeah. there's no hyperbole there. He was a, a brilliant writer and a brilliant guy. And uh, this summer, uh, a colleague of ours who I just mentioned, Steve Harouche, is putting out uh, People Only Die of Love in Movies, which is a collection of Jim's work. And I believe this panel will sort of talk about that and, mm-hmm. and you know, the role of critic, uh, the role of critic both in a local community and as, you know, a reflection of... of art on a you know a national level a global level but um i believe toby from the bell court is participating yeah. in that as well it was also jim and alicia's neighbor for like 10 years right exactly <laughs> like yeah. right across the street yeah. which is i mean that 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 just sort of adds that little extra something to yeah it. and and jim was definitely one of those guys who sort of um he you know only only had friends i mean anybody he met was kind of in awe of both his uh, encyclopedic knowledge of film and his unfathomable kindness. Yeah. Um, so that'll kind of be an excuse just to talk about Jim and to talk about his work and about his films. That one's on May 19th at 3 p.m. Um, that one's, I, I'm pretty excited for that one. 
Um, as well, yeah. And, uh, and you get a copy of the book with your ticket, that's too. That's right, yeah. And um, are there any other panels, any other discussions coming up that you're kind of excited about? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of really good ones. Um, I, I don't get involved with those as much because I'm mostly introducing stuff and, like, running, you know, putting out fires and such during mm-hmm. the actual festival. But there's one... Um, uh, 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 the uh, the great local agent Kim McRae mm-hmm. um, is uh, is appearing as one sort of helping uh, actors like keep their lookbook updated and like working on casting issues. Oh, interesting! And anytime you get a chance to hear her talk about the process of the audition and casting, I mean she's she's a brilliant human being. I mean she worked in the trenches for so long, you know, as a unit production manager and casting and directing. I mean she was she was Asia Argento's like personal assistant oh, making wow. the heart is deceitful above all things she's, so she knows stuff and she's seen things <laughs> i should say so um, that's cool and yeah that, that one's um with kim mccray you said her yeah name? yeah mm-hmm. um well also not not just to focus on nashville film festival while i've got you here jason i mm-hmm. want to talk about what else you might be excited for coming up summer se- both blockbuster season anything that's coming along to the bell court you're excited about well it's um, i'll tell you what i'm most looking forward to right now is uh, some of the stuff that I've been able to see at the various festivals I've been going to, like mm-hmm. hitting the mainstream, like uh, Madeline's Madeline, which is a new film from Josephine Decker, is the best thing I saw at the Chattanooga Film Festival a couple weeks ago, and it's it's just phenomenal. Like it's it's ex- it's about experimental theater and racial identity, and um, you know, like who owns trauma. I mean, it is, but it's 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 wild and weird and creative mm-hmm. and it's it's just astounding mm-hmm. and I can't wait for people to see that and I'm sure it'll play somewhere in Nashville when it opens later this summer mm-hmm. um, a, oscilloscope the, uh, the the one that was founded by um, uh, with the the Beastie, Beastie Boys, Boys is no longer with us um, Ad Rock, Ad Rock yeah, yeah. Uh, that's his company and yeah. they have they have they have done a great job of um, putting out some of the most interesting and challenging things. And like Madeline's Madeline is one of those that like, I can't wait for it to be out there just so I can talk about it with more people. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's a whole bunch of great stuff out there. Um, the, uh, the Grace Jones documentary, which yes. has got one more day in town, essential, essential viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote a wonderful piece on that one. Oh, for thank us. you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's like anytime you get a chance to write about Grace Jones, right. it's yeah. just, it, there's so much, Yeah, there's so much. And I knew, I knew well enough to free up some extra space for that one. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We got Jason on Grace Jones. I think I'll give it an extra column. Or two. I would love it <laughs> if 2.0 comes out this year. I don't know. Like it, it keeps getting delayed. Two point mm-hmm. It's um it's uh, superstar Regina Kanth, who mm-hmm. is um a, one of the biggest stars in Indian cinema, uh, in global cinema, has been working on this. It's a native three D, mm-hmm. sort of Frankenstein tale, but um with lots of sci fi and lots of effects and lots of like crazy music and it's it's one of those that they're just keeping like well 2.0 has been delayed again and so it's when it comes yeah. out it's going to be it's going to be an event it'll be huge, uh, i just don't know when it's going to yeah it's just a question mark <laughs> okay yeah that's exciting well uh what what have you seen so far this year that you're a big fan of obviously the grace jones doc yeah um, and that madeline's madeline mm-hmm. uh, annihilation uh, yes. is huge uh, you were never really here you were never really here so far as my number one film of the year i think it's so good it's fantastic it's and it's so that's good. still playing at the bell court for, oh yeah yeah it's gonna be there for another week it'll be there for yeah. at least another uh, week. the endless is as well the endless which is, is the sci-fi yeah i, I know that it's gotten some comparisons to um oh a primer yes the sort of diy sci-fi yes. film from that's a, a that's a back. that's a good comparative piece mm-hmm. i think it's a little more audience friendly than primer okay primer was and i love primer i do too but a little bit wonky in that sort of hard yeah. sci-fi way and 
his follow-up director of that upstream color. Oh, so good. That's just so fantastic. Good. So anything that even gets sort of mentioned in the same breath as those two, I'm like, okay, I'll yeah. see that. Yeah, no, um, The Endless is great. And if, if you're going to see that, it's worth seeking out their very first film, Resolution, because there's some stuff that ties into it. Okay. I think that's on Amazon Prime. I'm not 100% sure. Okay, we'll look at um, But there's, I mean, there's so much... Uh, it's been a really good year so far. So far it has. And, it's um, really been incredible. Um, and yeah, I would say You Were Never Really Here, probably my number one. Um, Isle of Dogs is up there toward mm. the top. Of course, Wes Anderson, you know. Um, but uh, how do you feel about the Marvel films that we've seen so far this year? Um, I loved Black Panther. Yes. I yeah. loved it. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. I thought it was everything everything that the Marvel machine does well, it mm-hmm. did well. And then Ryan Coogler is just a great director. Yes. And like he stepped up all of the things that the Marvel machine doesn't necessarily do, mm-hmm. much in the same way as, as Taika Waititi did with uh, Thor Ragnarok, yes. which those two are just like superb. Infinity War, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can evaluate it as a movie. And because... I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get vaguely spoilery here. All right, okay. Um, All right. I don't think you can evaluate it as a movie because it is obviously not complete. Right. I mean, because of the way that Marvel is this cultural force, they've already announced there's a Spider-Man sequel, there's a Black Panther sequel that are being made. There's more Guardians of the Galaxy coming, yeah. that sort of so thing. So what it does is the way that the film is now, that ending should hit you with the force of a thousand like um, slaps in the face. Or but, uh, Infinity Gauntlets. Yeah, <laughs> but because we know that these things, we know that that it's going to be unmade, right. and what that does is it robs everything in that film of any sense of consequence. Mm-hmm. So you know what what happens at the very beginning with with um, the two characters from Thor. Mm-hmm. I mean that that should that should mean something, and sure. especially the one that happens in the middle of the film with um, with Gamora. Mm-hmm. That is supposed to be the emotional pivot of the whole film. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that by having an ending where you're just like, okay, there's no way that this can stick, it it retroactively sucks all the power out of the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. There's some, takes the stakes off the table. Yeah, there's yeah. some great stuff in it. There, visually, there's some amazing things. Um, mm-hmm. I will never, ever get tired of uh of Thor calling Rocket Sweet Rabbit. Like <laughs> yeah, that that's good. that got me every time. Yeah. And and I liked the way they like sort of mixed things together, mm-hmm. at, which was great. I I dug that, but I just sort of like at, at the after that ending, you know, people were just like, "Oh," and I was just like, I well, wasn't shocked. Yeah. I was I was annoyed. Right. Um and it's, you know, I'll I'll be interested in what the next few bring. I love it. It's like a soap opera. Sure. Yeah, like exactly. I'm I'm not a huge I'm not like a Marvel stan. I was mm-hmm. like back in 6th and 7th grade. Sure. So the, and and what's funny At least you got that foundation though. What's funny is that a lot of the storylines for the movies end up getting pulled from that period. Mm-hmm. Not not so much with this with this particular Avengers thing, but like the X-Men movies, the good X-Men movies, those storylines all come from when I was a collector. So I'm like, I know this. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's uh but I love Marvel in the way that my great grandma loved General Hospital. <laughs> it's like I see every episode. I mean, there's there's enough of them that you don't necessarily feel the need to revisit unless you really love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know the ones that are great, like Ragnarok and Black Panther, like those those you you watch over again. I mean, but uh, it's and some people swear by them, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to me, it's like a soap opera. It's mm-hmm. like I see every episode, and then. Um, so I'm up on it because I like being part of the discussion. I like sure. being a citizen of the world. But it's, um, 
but at the same time, it's not. I don't. I don't necessarily respond to them the same way I do a lot of other films. Sure. Um, I do like it as a vehicle, sort of to um, to raise the platform of guys like you're talking, like Kugler or uh, Watiti. Um, yeah, and then, and who then have their sort of their own. Uh, you know, Ryan Kugler directed. Uh, what, let's see, Creed. Creed and Taking of. Pelham, Fruitvale Station. Uh, Fruitvale Station, yeah, yeah. I, I get those titles confused. <laughs> um, he did those two. Taika, of course, did uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Mm, Hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder People, sort of a brilliant comedic director. Um, and, and both of them brought those elements of their work to these massive platforms, which is kind of cool to see. They're not, you know, just sort of uh, cranking out one after the next, which, you know, would be tedium but well, and, um, and Bowden and Fleck are doing Captain mm-hmm. Marvel right and they they made a movie called Half Nelson which was one of my favorite films of either 2003 or 2006 mm-hmm. I know it's one of those two but I can't tell you which <laughs> but uh, one of the best Ryan Gosling performances ever it's an amazing film and the fact that they're making like the the, the, the next big Marvel film and the first one focusing on a female lead. Right. I'm like, I'm very interested yeah. in that. With Brie Larson, I believe. Yeah, Captain yeah. Marvel, right? Yeah, so I mean, that's talent all around. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we I'm sure we could probably fill the next hour or so talking uh, superhero movies, but we'll let everybody <laughs> off the hook. Jason, thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.